Hello everyone, welcome back to Tea Time with Tea. I'm your host, Teresa. On this episode, we are talking to my first guest from the West Coast and through Google Hangouts, John Kernett. John shares how he got into web development, how he manages his hectic schedule, and he shares advice on why it's important to work on projects that you are passionate about. Let's get into it. We're talking web development. How did it all start? Like, how did you become interested in web development? So, I actually didn't start in web development. I started with game development. Okay. As a kid, like, every kid's like, I want to make video games when I grow up. And so, all throughout, like, um, mostly high school is really when I really got into it the most. Uh, I taught myself programming and art and animation and stuff like that and built games with Unity. And then uh, Unity 3D, the game engine. Um, then I realized around junior year of high school that it's a lot harder to make money off of games because you need to create a full finished product usually before you can actually sell anything. Right. So I started getting the smaller scale stuff that was more marketable, and that ended up being web development. So I started off doing a lot of uh, kind of just simple non-interactive websites, not web apps at all. Did that for a couple of years. Took some on freelance stuff, got more into app development. Um, eventually started teaching introductory web development classes at a co-working space in Sacramento, where I lived at the time. And yeah, that's where I got my start in full stack development. Now, I'm working at a startup in LA called Girlboss as a front-end software engineer. I, I wanted to go back for a second when, when you said like, so you basically started um, programming in in junior high school or was it high school? Um, I started around fifth grade, but the thing is like for the first several years as a kid, you don't really know enough to learn more quickly. Right. So I only started getting my feet under me around freshman year of high school. And was that because like you were offered a computer class or it just became like an interest of yours out of playing video games itself? It, it was an interest of mine because like I enjoyed playing video games and then I was fortunate because my older brother uh, at the time he was interested in programming so he had already done kind of the here's what a variable is basic tutorial stuff online right. and so he was able to explain some of the basics and then he went off and focused more on film and now music and I stuck with programming so I got my start through bothering my brother to tell me what a variable is. <laughs> No, that's awesome though. How how much older is your brother than you are? Two years. Two years. Okay. And so he already had like his interest in <laughs> in programming and you just like listening to Big Brother, which kind of works out for you because it's safe to say that you like programming now, right? Yeah. Um, it stuck with me a lot more than it did with him. We both have pretty varied interests, but that's been one common thread throughout my life. Why do you think it stuck with you more than your brother? Um, I think that a big part of it is uh, programming is the vast majority of the time not like flashy or exciting at all. Um, it's interesting building things, but for me, like I'm fine with spending more time, you know, reading up on like tutorials on new technologies and doing research on how to get like one little widget to work in one part of the server somewhere. That nobody's gonna see but it's important um, and it just wasn't that off-putting for me so I got to do fun stuff too nice so I got through the boring stuff yeah and I and I feel like that's just like in any just any career in general <laughs> or like anything that people yeah. do it's just like okay sometimes so for example like I've done real estate and 
everyone like when i first got my license they're like oh my god that's so cool it's such a cool job like you get to see they, all these like amazing apartments and everything they see, like the years behind going through the legal stuff and getting the education for that and then getting actually licensed and exactly all the, all the grunt work that every career has yeah exactly and it's just like when you're actually in it it's like okay meeting clients great showing amazing apartments great but the rut work i guess it's like the legal stuff and the contracts and the negotiations and the back and forth like no yeah 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 i guess like anyone who is looking to get into whether it's like programming or the career of their choice like really just do your research and that leads me to how we met which was through linkedin and it was me just i so the reason like i found myself interested in programming and it's actually because of um a quote that steve jobs said he was just like everyone should learn how to program a computer because it teaches you to think and yeah. i feel in our day and age it's so important because i feel like computer is just gonna like take over everything it's pretty prevalent now like you can't go through your life and like there was a time i don't know 10 15 years ago when people would still be like in an office like i'm not a computer person mm -hmm. as an excuse to not do common stuff on a computer but at this point like you don't really have a choice no matter how streamlined things get and how easy they get you're still gonna have to be using the computer technically on some level uh, technically not as in you're kind of using computer but rather you'll need to know a little bit about how it works exactly exactly again like going back it's just like maybe i might not be able to program a video game or a website but just like knowing like fundamental stuff of like how it works and to do like i, I don't want to say the bare minimum but really like just just understanding the general idea of computer science, I think it's important and I feel like yeah. everyone should do it. And I think now in colleges, they actually offer um, computer science, like it, like it's mandatory that you have to take it now. It's interesting. Um, one thing that I think people don't really put enough weight on when it comes to like learning the basics of computer science or just how computers work, how file systems work, how programming works is um, even if you're not actually directly working with it, if you're working with people who do that, suddenly you can communicate a lot more effectively. And especially with, like, I'm in a startup, so obviously there's a lot of technology stuff going on. Um, having coworkers who are able to communicate effectively about technical topics makes everything go so much smoother. And I'm glad that colleges, I know that uh, a lot of elementary schools and high schools are starting to have sort of STEM programs, like rudimentary ones. Um, I'm glad the classes are actually starting to be required where you have to at least take an introductory class, just because at this point it's too critical of life skill to not have some knowledge of. No, I completely agree. And you actually said something interesting mm -hmm. in terms of like communicating better. Do you feel like having like a background, like knowing like computer programming languages and just understanding the computer helps you to communicate better? Like how we're communicating right now through like via Google Hangout in terms of actually like speaking or so, like writing, do you think it's like better for you? I, I, I think there's probably some like sort of, if you have a basic sense of how to use computers, like you're not gonna have issues with, like back in the days of Skype before Google Hangouts and Slack and Discord and every other service that now has video calls existed, um, you would have these like, issues where people would just not know how to open the app and set up a webcam and do stuff like that. So in a certain sense, like day to day, it does help. But what I was really thinking of in terms of communication is um, when you work with tech people, like with engineers or software engineers in my case, uh, a lot of times there's things that are like either seem like they'd be easy and are actually really hard or seems that they seem like they'd be hard and are really easy to do. So you could have instances where administrators and executives will say, hey, can we do X? And from an engineer's perspective, it's like, no, that's that's not how it works. You can't do that, it's pretty obvious. But then there's always that question like, well, why not? And you need a, something of a background in like how servers work and how the front end of an app works, just to understand how those parts fit together in a general sense that allows you to not have these weird discussions where 
people are coming at it from very different directions. Right. So day-to-day probably helps, but there's some specific circumstances where it's very useful. I know, like, you've mentioned to me, like, Free Code Camp Academy, and when I was, like, working on that, like, I would want the app to do something, and I would go to, like, my boyfriend and be like, okay, why isn't this working? Like, I don't get it. Like, like I thought, like, I could just, like, type in this code, and it just does what I want it to do. It's like, you want to feel like, no, just get the idea of what I'm trying to say, just work. And the computer's like, uh, no, you missed a semicolon, so now I'm going to catch on fire. Oh, my God, yeah. yes. And it's literally, like, the simplest thing. Like, okay, I literally forgot that, and that's why it's not working and and i don't and i find like that part of computer programming and learning that whole process it is very frustrating but i think again like going back to like just practicing and like really learning it it takes you a step further um one thing that i think would be really interesting to at some point like i guess introduce into common knowledge because when you think computer science you think programming right right but it's interesting because programming puts you in a position where you learn a lot of the fundamentals of how computers and apps and technology work. But I feel like, honestly, if you wanted to take somebody who is not a like, tech person and teach them enough about how computers work that they can use it, or they can uh, be more effective day-to-day in a work environment, um, programming probably would not actually be the best place to start. Because for the most part, programming gives you the basic tools that allow you to get introduced more complex topics. For example, um, you're starting with or codecademy.com, any of those sites, you're going to learn HTML, CSS, JavaScript, like kind of how to build websites, right? Right. But day to day in an office, you might, you're probably not going to need to build websites unless your job is specifically to build websites. On the other hand, if there was um, an engineer that you're working with and you are wondering, is it possible to implement a certain feature? You might not need to know about programming, but you might need to know who does what on the project. You might need to know like what's the front end of the project versus the back end. What is a database? What is a server? What's the difference between all this? Um, some of the more DevOps stuff that would be useful to know over programming, in my opinion, for people who aren't specifically engineers. Right. The issue is that like there's not really a service that teaches that as much because people always start with programming, which if you want to do it as a career is the right choice. So for example, someone like myself who has, um, well, now I could say, like, I have a little bit of, like, very, very little bit of computer programming knowledge. Hey, that's how it starts. And I'm Everybody's like, there at some point. like, baby steps. But for someone who completely, they have no knowledge in computer science, um, no knowledge in, like, computer programming, don't know what a computer is, what would be your steps for someone to start off, like, doing, like, computer science? That's an interesting question. I think that we probably need to define what is their end goal first. Do you mean somebody who has no background in computer science and wants to become a software engineer? Yeah, someone who wants to become um, a computer science software engineer or just someone who might also have like, wow, I really like video games. You know what? I want to create my own, but I don't know how to start. Yeah, there's like a huge array. It could be like you're an app developer, a web developer, a video game developer. Right. A whole bunch of different things you can do, but there are some general, like, no matter what you're going into, here are some good steps. Um, first is, whatever your goal is, whether it's to do web stuff, app stuff, video game stuff, anything, um, doing some research on what technologies are involved. When I say what technologies are involved, I mean what programming languages do you use? Um, what software do you use that you're going to be building things with? Do you need any like special skills like with video games, for example, if you're an indie developer uh, and assuming that you are kind of starting from square one, you don't have a budget, you can't hire a bunch of people or like have freelancers build or design assets for you. um, You might need to also go into art. You might need to also start branching out and learning like peripheral skills. Uh, Another example would be as a front end web developer, meaning a person who makes the part of the website that a user will see. you might need to learn some stuff about search engines, like how do you get a site to show up? You need to know SEO. You need to know how to use tools like Google Analytics to track stuff. Learning the list of things that you will, like just getting a basic list of what you will eventually need to know will be really helpful in directing you more efficiently. Once you have an actual list and you know, I want to make video games and I'm going to use this game engine and I need to know the programming language C Sharp or Unity, for example, then you can start actually looking into tutorials and learn programming which is what it sounds like you started with, with 
uh, free code camp or whatever site. I can't remember exactly which one uh, you started on. Right, I actually did um too. I did um the Free Code Camp Academy, and then um I started um I believe I told you the Har Harvard X, which they offer a f oh, yeah. the free CS fifty um programming class. Yeah. And I think for myself, and this does not have to be like relating to like computer science, but just um any topic in general in terms of when you're starting out something and there's so much information to consume like you just mentioned like several different steps on on like making a list figuring out exactly what you need to like making video games like what would you say to a person who might find like now they did the research they're like oh my god this is like so much to learn, so much to learn and exactly and it <clears throat> might become like intimidating to them and then they're like you know what maybe i should just try something else <laughs> like what would you the say to is, them like, it's, it sounds when you first google it and you're like getting that list of okay i'm gonna google like how to be a game developer and you see like, like here's 12 different technologies they use and three different programming languages programming languages and all this stuff it sounds scary initially but um once you actually go, okay, I have an idea of where I'm going to be eventually, then you can scale it back really easily and just say, great, now I just need to learn this one language. I can do that with baby steps, find tutorials. There's a ton of tutorials online. And you can start from very small projects where it's like, I'm going to make Pong or something, like some really old school game. It's super easy to build. And you can start scaling up. The key is just don't, don't try to make like the next Overwatch or, you know, Fallout 4, whatever big game you want to make. Right. Don't start with that because then that's when you run into that problem of everything being so overwhelming. You can't learn it all at once. Um, I think that's like one of the biggest issues that I see with when I was teaching introductory classes, especially with game development, which I taught, I think, two like week-long boot camps of. Um, people always want to be like, I'm going to make this huge game. It's going to have like a bazillion different levels and you're going to be able to play as like any character class and... It's going to be some epic adventure and all this stuff. And <laughs> then they bite off more than they can chew. And it's really easy to just get discouraged and fall off. For sure. So starting small is key. Once you know kind of where you're going to go, forget all of that and just start at the first step you found. And how much time do you think like someone should like dedicate to, to when they're first starting off? Like 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, four hours? <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a difficult question. I... I would not think of it in terms of time per day. Mm -hmm. Like when you're doing tutorials and just learning the very basics, it, yeah, it's useful to make sure you're consistent. Like I'm going to do half an hour a day. I'm going to go maybe like go, I'm going to go through three of these lessons on free code camp a day, however you want to define that. But um, as soon as you're able to actually start building small projects, the by far the most useful thing I would recommend is choose projects that interest you and make you want to not measure it in how long you're spending per day, but rather make it so you'd want to measure it in, I want to build this product and I want to see the final product. Because if you're excited about it, it doesn't matter how much time you're going to spend because it's not this like drudgery anymore. Um, that's one of the things that's great about learning to make video games as a first like introduction to computer science is like if you play video games, you are going to be excited about the game you're making. Right. Um, with web development, a lot of times, uh, in, I'm going to go back to the introductory classes a lot because that was kind of like where I saw the most people getting started. Yeah. Um, things that would get people excited are when we did an introduction to JavaScript class and we were learning like, here's how to make just a simple little web app. You know, it's like a to-do list or a, like uh, that's kind of the go-to one I always used. Some people would, at the end of the class, everybody would choose a project they want to start building. Like their own project designed from the ground up and it was interesting seeing what people chose because you could tell who was into their project and who was not really into their project. The people who were excited about it, like one student of mine, she wanted to build an app that would help people track, uh, what was it? It was tracking mental health things. So like you could look back over the last month and see, okay, so here's times when like depression was getting to me and I needed to recognize that pattern and like help people build healthier habits. And she was really excited about it because it was something she was personally passionate about. Right. And she went on to go like build side projects and take other courses and keep pursuing this because 
she wasn't, you know, checking boxes off trying to just get through three hours a day. She was just excited about it. Right. I'm actually so happy that um, you brought that up because I highlighted that because I know it was also something that you said to myself, which is it goes back to like why like I wanted you to be on the podcast was for a person to actually seize that like, okay, you need to be interested in this. You really like have to, you know, like what you're doing in order to enjoy it and to really be like fully immersed and like love what you're doing and I feel like sometimes you don't hear that too often it's like okay chase your money trail almost like okay computer programming is gonna make you money and app development it's gonna make you money and working for a startup it's gonna make you money it's kind of an easy hole to fall into because like yeah. computer science is like far and away the in my admittedly somewhat biased opinion it's far and away the best mix of easy to get into relatively speaking and highest paying right because like if you want to go if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor any of the traditional like high paying positions that's a lot of years of school like Absolutely. beyond just getting a bachelor's degree um but one thing that sometimes comes up where people they are going to computer science because they're like eh, well i mean there's jobs and there are like if you're a good engineer you can basically in a big city always find a good job um but people will go into it with that mindset and then they'll go, okay, well, people told me like, go to four years of college, get a bachelor's degree and then go out into the world and scoop up a nice job and be comfy. But anybody can learn programming, but that doesn't mean that you will enjoy it. The, the traditional like kind of four year path through getting a bachelor's degree, doing some internships throughout the way and then graduating and going off. Um, it's, it's not the only path anymore for computer science. Like I actually don't have a degree yet. I'm working at a startup in LA great but I was like college isn't for me I don't want to retake a bunch of introduction to Java classes and it worked out it's a non-standard pathway but you don't have to go with the check things off a list and end up with a job route that's actually um, um, really interesting that you say that so how did you go about like learning computer programming Besides, like, I know, like, you mentioned your brother um, taught you a few things and then developing, like, the interest in freshman year of high school and really, it's, like, getting into it. But, like, what other tools did you use to learn JavaScript and all the other computer programming languages? The answer is going to be kind of disappointing. It's two very boring parts. One is looking up a absolute crap ton of tutorials on the Internet. And the other thing is... Um, just hitting your face against the keyboard until code starts to work. Like you start off with this like brick wall where it's like everything you type doesn't quite work because like you missed a semicolon or like, oh no, you have a bracket that's out of place or something like that. And it's frustrating and you just have to keep going and get through that while looking up more and more tutorials. Right. And as you get more comfortable with it and as errors start to crop up less, you become able to learn faster. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of times, Classes are a really good resource. Um, if there are some like online boot camps that will keep you going more reliably, will get you through that like initial rough period. Uh, but for me personally, it was just tutorials online, googling a lot of stuff, spending a lot of time on Stack Overflow. Did you ever had a moment where you're just like, you know what, this isn't working out. I can't figure out this code. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, let's just call it a day. Like, let me, oh, yeah. let me try to like, maybe go back to college and like do something. I never got quite to the point where I was like, okay, maybe I should just go to school for this because, uh, I, I'm actually, I'm currently doing online classes to check the boxes off and get a degree. But like two years ago and before I was a terrible student. Like I, uh, it was not a good learning environment for me. Um, and now after the fact, ironically, I'm still going back and taking those intro to Java classes. So I like skipped ahead and then had to go back just because I was like stubborn and decided, nah, I think I do want that piece of paper, even though it's not required anymore. Um, there were a lot of times when I kind of just like, okay, I'm, my brain is full. I'm done for the day. I'll come back maybe and try it again. Right. Um, one of the really good things about having projects that you're passionate about when you're learning is that it gives you a really good incentive to keep coming back and trying even now, you never stop learning. And even now there's things that are like 
I'm switching from doing uh, full stack development for web apps to also learning machine learning, which is an emerging new field. It's not new at all, but it's like the hip new thing, so to speak. And every time you learn a new set of things, like a new set of technologies, you're going to have a new set of technologies after that that you have to learn too. And you're going to hit those, like, I'm done, I give up, figure it out tomorrow moments. Right. Um, but if you have projects you're passionate about, it's easier to deal with those. Two thoughts um, that are brewing in my head right now. The first one is when you said um, just going back to school just to have that piece of paper that says like, okay, this is my degree. Well, I just want to clarify, like that's what you're doing right now. Like you're in school, just, okay, why did you feel the need to do that? Even though like you're working for an awesome um, startup, it's well known. Um, You now know like the language and the programming and you seem knowledgeable about it, why the need for that paper? To be entirely honest, there isn't a need. Okay. But I'm like, I know that at some point I might want to go on, probably at some point, but I would want to go on and get a doctorate probably just because like I do at some point want to progress to being not just a good engineer, but on the cutting edge of a specific field. Gotcha. That's why I'm learning machine learning now. And one of the things that I've, uh, through um, many bad decisions have been getting better at is planning ahead more. Got and it. I know that if I want to do that in 10 years, I want to get the bachelor's degree that I need to get to get to that next step out of the way first. Right. So I don't need it. It's not a career move, but it is an education move. So later down the line, I will have that avenue open because I could be comfortable uh, building websites and web apps and building video games in my spare time, and that would be great. But I know that... Uh, I'm always going to want to do something more. So right. I want to make sure that it's open for me. Right. So it's like you're basically preparing yourself for like when that time comes, this is what they need. These are their requirements and I have it and I don't have to worry about it basically. Exactly. Yeah. It's not so much a career move as it is a life goals move. Yeah. I, I also like I had a conversation with a former guest about just how we have so many opportunities now beyond like looking at school it's like oh there's like various things that you could just include in computer programming that you could learn online or that you could just take classes just to be certified in like i mean another example would um oh i can't think of the word uh fitness instructors there's another name Uh, for it uh personal trainers trainers. exactly like you don't need to go to school to become a personal trainer like they're certificate programs that leads you to that and maybe that's like not the best example but basically there are other options than college now yeah and it's interesting because like um carrying the personal trainer example a step further and making it probably not work quite as well as an analogy um there are certificate programs out for personal training right but all the knowledge that you would get from going through that program is also available for free online. So it's like you have different tiers of how much do I want it to be like laid out neatly for me versus am I willing to just dig in and make a mess? So like you can, you know, go to school and get a computer science degree or a uh, physical therapy. What, what would that be? I don't know what the degree would be. Um, you can get a degree for what you're going to do or you can do certificates and get most of the knowledge, but you're going to have to do more research on your own. Or you can just dive straight in and learn everything you need to know uh, through just experience and research on your own. Right. Kind of depends on just what learning method suits you best. My only other um, comment on that is that I feel like maybe, and I know I know this for um, I graduated high school in two thousand and ten, and I graduated college in two thousand and fifteen. And I think like for my generation and my friends and everyone who does have a college degree and who like they're going for their master's and everything like that, they're just like, okay, it's just, I'm only doing this. So it puts me in a different pay bracket or I'm only doing this because I look more credible on paper versus like a person that doesn't have like the quote unquote college, like, you know degree yeah there's there's a certain authority that it lends and even if you have like if you have a master's degree in like american literature or something like that that still puts you in a better position like economically than if somebody is 
a great mechanic and doesn't have a degree. Um, just because it shows you completed, what's that, six years for a master's degree of education, higher education? I'm not sure. I know it's 30 credits. <laughs> I, I don't think it's six years. <laughs> yeah, wait, I think you know the amount of credits it is to get that, but not the actual amount of time? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I know it's 30 credits. You need 30 credits <laughs> for your master's. And 120 for your bachelor's degree. But the actual time, I'm not too sure. And it's also, it, I think it does vary, though, because you have um, students that are part-time and students yeah. that are full-time, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of different yeah. timelines you can make out of that number of credits. Yeah. So I guess that would be a more precise way of measuring it. Um, but yeah, like you are saying, people going through, continuing to get higher education, you get put in a different pay bracket with a degree that is most likely not even going to be directly related to their job. It's kind of interesting dynamic and oh, one yeah. that's maybe not the most healthy or fiscally responsible uh but not as on an individual level but overall no I have mixed feelings on college no. <laughs> and no and i completely hear you on that too because like i went to school and i got my bachelor's degree in psychology and i work at an accounting firm so it just shows like, okay, you go to school for one thing and the majority of the people that does have a college degree, they come out and they're doing something completely different that they went to school for, like not right. even in the ballpark. So, yeah. you know. It's not to say that like you aren't getting a lot out of pursuing that degree if it's what you're passionate about. Right. But if you were getting the degree specifically for, you know, the pay raise, then yeah probably better choices than that especially if you are if you're fine working with any position going to computer science because you want to make good money totally fine you want to be passionate about it but if that's your main focus then that works um but generally probably better to choose something that you were passionate about if you're going to invest all the four time. years of your life and a enormous sum of money into exactly no i completely agree with that and a part of me you know, wish that I could go into every single high school and be like, okay, kids, like, write down your passions. Like, what do you like to do? Why do you like to do that? Do you see yourself doing it in 10 years? Um, those are the questions that I personally feel like we should be asking juniors in high school because that's when they start thinking about college. I feel and like that's, it's weird because, like, as a, as a kid, I always knew what I wanted to do. Like, I didn't actually end up doing some of those things, but I always had an idea of what I wanted to do at the time. So, like, at first I was like, I want to be an engineer and I want to build robots. Yeah. And I was like, I want to make video games. And then I was like, I'm going to build websites, I guess. That seems cool. And now here I am. But, like, a lot of my friends throughout high school, like, they have things they're interested in, but there's this weird distinction people draw between interests and careers. And nobody really seemed to know what they wanted to do with their life overall. Right. And I feel like the there's like a specific way of presenting like what are you passionate about that's will probably help people start to actually uh I guess picture being able to pursue things that are a little more non standard as careers rather than saying, Well sure you have your hobbies, but what are you passionate about for a job? What company do you want to work for? I feel like that's not a really healthy presentation. And right. I totally agree that we need to actually as a uh, as a society start actually pushing people to pursue things they're interested in but with the caveat that it shouldn't be pursue things you're interested in to make them a career it should be pursue things you're interested in and then from there you'll learn what careers are open but you'll at least be passionate about what you're doing absolutely and i actually heard this on a podcast and you touched upon it a little bit it's that idea of um having a passion and having an interest and the person said on the podcast an interest is something that you get excited about it and then after a while like that excitement goes away and a passion is something that like you literally can't live without doing and i kind of defined it define it in a way of like your passion is something that that is good for your soul like it literally makes your entire body like very happy yeah. and it i i mean after listening to that podcast and after talking to a few people about it 
I started going back and revisiting things that I've said on my podcast that I was passionate about. And one of the things were um, that I always felt passionate about was like acting and baking. And if you like went back and you listened to those podcasts, you're, you're like, okay, like if she's excited, I mean, if she's passionate about acting and baking, like why, is, why isn't she doing those things? And those were questions that I literally had to go back and be like, okay, reconsidering like like re exactly or am i just like interested in it and do i just like enjoy it and i'm like you know it is like a process of like really digging deep and like trying to figure out those things as well so i'm gonna play devil's advocate for a minute uh with another perspective that i think is worth considering so a lot of the time there's kind of a balance between like what are you passionate about and also what lifestyle do you want to have because let's say you're passionate about passionate about like drone photography. Mm-hmm. Like you love getting like crazy pictures of like landscapes and cities and like people doing stuff and all this stuff. And, like you want to get all the cool equipment so you can actually have like these elaborate shots that are like beautiful and all that. It's an expensive interest or expensive passion, rather, right? Right. So then you also kind of ask the, have to ask the question: um, Do I want to make that passion a career? Or do I want to get a career that's comfortable? Like, you could totally be a software engineer and not be passionate about it, but if you're good at it and you have no objections to it, like you're not like, no, it's not letting me do what I'm passionate about. It could be a good choice just on the grounds that it's stable, it pays well, and if you're good, it doesn't matter if you're passionate as long as you deliver quality work. Right. But that would also let you afford to do the much less lucrative passion of drone photography. So the other thing we have to balance is like, not just what are you passionate about, but what are you passionate about and how can you make that be realistic? Not just in a way where it's like you can make a living off the drone photography. People totally do that. Um, but how can you make it be realistic where you can get what you want out of it, not where you can scrape by with it? Right. So a bit of a counterpoint that also might be uh, a good thing to teach high schoolers as well, because <laughs> there are people who know exactly what they want. They cannot live if they are not creating the, like, the art they dream about, they're filmmakers and they are passionate about it and they can't see themselves not being behind a camera, yeah, that's something you'd want to pursue as a career. Right. But if they're passionate about their music and they just, they love jamming with friends and being in bands and they don't care so much about like making a bunch of money off it, but they just love their art, well, maybe computer science is a better option so that you can, you know, buy whatever instruments you're interested in. You can spend time learning things because you don't have uh, like the confines of money dictating your schedule. There might be better options for you. Right. It's it depends a, on what you want to do with it, I guess. What you want to do with your passion. That is also like a very interesting like point because in terms of just it's literally doing a job so that you can make money, so it gives you the freedom to do That's the things that want, you're yeah. and I actually so it's really interesting. So I have had this conversation before and I'm okay having it again because it is like, it's not completely black and white. But then you go into the point where, for example, now you're working a nine to five, you want to be able to make money so you could do your passions or maybe travel or whatever interests you. But at that nine to five, you are extremely like miserable every single day. Right, then there's a problem there. So. How would you solve that problem? Like, actually, what's your I'm really, take? really glad you asked this question because this touches on something that a topic, that, not to get all like life coach here, but it touches on a topic that's near and dear to my heart, which is I've noticed that people sometimes don't tend to think of, uh, okay, I'm going to jump to Star Trek for a second, even though I haven't actually really seen any Star Trek. <laughs> There's points where like, you know, you've got like Kirk or whoever who's like, ah, no, we need to go warp speed through the torpedo or whatever, like some crazy solution, and Spock goes, it's not logical. Well, no, it's not intuitive, but it's entirely logical if there is a process there that makes sense. So your example of, do you hate your job? Like, what if it's, like, crushing your soul and you can't pursue what you want because of it? Mm -hmm. Well, the logical solution is quit your job, get a new job, right? Right. Well, maybe not. Maybe that's the intuitive solution, but not the logical one. Suppose that you are a web developer and you're making a good amount of money, but you hate it. Like you're sick of code. If you see another syntax error, you are going to like destroy the office. 
<laughs> but you want to, like, your dream is to travel the world and you want to do a travel vlog and you want to see cool places and meet cool people and go on adventures and it's going to be amazing. If only you could just do that. But you need money for that. So maybe the logical thing isn't to quit your job, get a new job. Maybe the logical thing is make a plan so that in five years you will have, like, passive income that can support you while you travel that was gained through your software development job. So for example, um, if you're able to stockpile a bunch of money from your software development job and then turn that into, I don't know, like rental properties or like investments or anything, that's obviously like those are the two stereotypical ones. There's a lot of other options you can do. Right. Um, but if you can use that to create something, a system that will let you pursue what you're interested in, maybe it's not the best idea to quit your job immediately. Kind of depends. No, I, I, I like that. And I, and I also love that you brought up the point of just like, okay, you take taking that money and like invest in it so you could basically make more money. And that alone um, makes a lot of sense. And I also feel like another advice that I would give to listeners would be um, finding something within that job that you actually enjoy. Like it could be something very, very little in terms of like, for example, if you have a desk job, um, if it's talking to clients or maybe like having to, I'm not too sure of like a really good example, you just, but like you just fun. with one coworker and like you hang out with them every day and that makes it tolerable. Exactly. Like, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to make it all sunshine and rainbows. It just has to make it so that you can survive. Exactly. Exactly. Just like, you know, cause you know, and I love that. I love that you said to like, also make a plan in terms of like, okay, you might not be happy at this job, but well, set exactly. And like, kind of like setting that deadline that in, okay, in five years or in two years, exactly. this is my deadline to save X amount and I'm going to do what I have to do. But after this two years, I am out of here. Like yeah. it's, it's that plan, that like timeline and putting a label on like, here's how long I have, here's my goal at the end of it. That's what makes it different than just being like, okay, another day at soul crushing office job or whatever. Because if you don't have a concrete plan that you have written down somewhere, ideally, um, then you're doing something that would be illogical, as Spock would say, where you're not taking steps to get out of your situation to make it permanently better. You're just thinking someday it might get better. Right. Um, for yourself, what are your future goals and your plans and your deadlines? Like, what are you planning? Oh man, that, this would be a very long podcast if we went through all that. <laughs> um, Let's scratch so, the surface a little bit. So right now I'm working at Girlboss, as I said earlier. Great company to work at, like, love the people I work with. Uh, I'm learning a lot still, which is good. Like, if you're not, especially with tech, where it's like everything is changing really rapidly. Um, if you're not learning new stuff at your job, you are probably at the wrong job. Mm -hmm. uh, but as it is now, like I'm still learning a ton of stuff here. I enjoy my coworkers. Work is good. Like no objections. But I am planning on eventually making a next step. So right now I'm learning machine learning. Like I'm going through, you guessed it, tutorials online and reading up on TensorFlow and like figuring out what I'm gonna have to do to apply this in ways that are interesting. And then I have, I always have like kind of a stock of ideas that are things that I want to pursue if this works out and that might turn into something later down the line. Long term, I have plans of where I want to be. For example, like I know that I at some point probably will want to get a doctorate uh, in computer science with focus on machine learning so I can actually be pushing boundaries with it. So that might be a 10 year plan. Um, so I don't expect that to be super soon, between five and 10 years. On the other hand, I do want to actually run a startup on my own. I want to create a piece of software that fills a niche in the market and do something with that. Um, so like with right now, I'm combining my interest in machine learning with my interest in uh, game development and then animation by extension. And thinking like, well, how can we take machine learning and use that to more efficiently generate like terrain or generate scenes and cities and whatever for 3D, you know, games and animations. Right. So that's kind of a one-year goal. I would like to have something working within a year, and if I do or don't, it doesn't matter because I've still learned a ton about machine learning, and that will springboard into the year after that. Right. The year after that, if that doesn't work, I would have another plan for here's a project I want to try. Eventually, one of them will work 
well enough and have good enough market fit that I can turn that into a company on its own. So that's like an ideal three-year goal maybe. Get something working, make it financially viable, and have a company up and running. And then five-year goal might be go off and get a higher education beyond just a bachelor's degree. Goal after that might be get into like real estate and start actually building up more passive income so that I have a more consistent financial base for larger ventures in the future. Like it all kind of just fractals out into a bunch of different directions. See, well, I can help you with that, the real yeah. estate end. <laughs> um, background in real estate make it useful. Exactly. Are you still in real estate right now, or are you? So you're. So I am still. A, I'm currently a licensed agent. I am just not actively with a company yet. I'm actually on the search of like joining a new firm, and sure. yeah, and I'm still like dabbling in accounting while like doing podcasting. And still finding times for like the other things that I love to do, which is acting and baking and just like meeting people, connecting. And this is like podcasting right now. It's something that I'm like, I really enjoy because I love meeting people and connecting with them and hearing how passionate they sound about things that they're doing and sharing that with other people. So that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Short version is keeping very busy with a lot of things. Uh, keeping very busy with a lot of things. And I think eventually, like, one of these things that I'm gonna, that I'm doing will lead me to, like, the bigger picture of, like, making something into my career that I could literally be happy waking up to doing it every single day. Uh, one of these things would, like, lead into a larger part of your career. That's something that, like, I, can't emphasize enough because part of the reason why when I was saying this, I was like, well, it might be X, Y, or Z, or W, or any of these other options, is that you don't really have guaranteed success at any of them. And the only reason I'm at a really comfortable position at a great startup in LA is because I failed a bunch along the way, trying a bunch of different stuff. Mm -hmm. And eventually something, as I learned more from each failure, eventually something stuck. And now I'm at a higher room than I was at. And then I'm going to fail a bunch more stuff, and eventually something else will stick. And that's that's how you advance in whatever you're pursuing. Failure is one of the most important parts of getting better. Because if you aren't failing, you probably aren't really trying that much stuff. No, and I also, I agree with that. And I think Barbara Corcoran, actually, I went to a conference, and she was speaking, and she actually said, like, I'm happy that I failed. And she's like, failure is my best friend because of like people telling me no and that I can't do this and I can't do that. It's what drove her to like having a multi-million dollar business and is the reason why she is where she is today is because she failed first. Yeah, it's like successful ventures. Like it's a lot about being in the right place at the right time. There's a lot of luck involved, but really people don't see all of the countless failed ones behind that. Like, it's not just, oh, she's a unicorn who just somehow made it big. Mm -hmm. No, like, there was a huge amount of work and repetition there. Yeah, definitely a lot of work that goes behind it. In terms of, so you have, like, your three-year, five-year plan set. Like, what are you doing to work towards, like, those things? Like, working towards getting a degree and learning all the new things that you're learning? Uh, so... It's kind of like when you go from like the three or five year plan to day by day, it turns into like a very kind of, sorry, there's a helicopter. Oh, it's okay. I'm actually surprised that you haven't heard like a siren or like anything going off on my end. Cause usually they're yeah. always like, a, there's like a fire truck or something that passes my block. That was weird actually. That was like very low. Um, <laughs> But no, I haven't heard anything from you in the mic. Like I was like, oh, are you in like a studio or something? But no, just just in my apartment recording. But like, I I know I like I mentioned I'm like from New York, so I feel like sometimes people are just like, oh, it's probably loud and crazy over there. But it's pretty quiet. <laughs> That's good. Good for podcasting, definitely. Exactly. Um, yes. About the day to day plan for like getting to that three year mark. Yes. Uh, a lot of it is just tedious, boring scheduling, like I'm taking online classes so I can check those off the list and get a bachelor's degree so that I can go forward with my five-year plan. So every week I have really 
dumbass boring intro to programming assignments that I have to do just because got to check those off the list. Right. With uh, machine learning and startup stuff, um, pretty much my goal every day is to do something that is learning more about some aspect of machine learning. So I started off with Google's, uh, Google actually has a crash course on machine learning, which I highly recommend, where it's a series of videos and lectures and like interactive lesson things that take you through a lot of the fundamentals. Um, so I went through that. I went through tutorials on from TensorFlow, which is a machine learning library for JavaScript and Python. Um, I have been like, every day I'm going to try and read like part of a chapter of an ebook about some specific aspect of machine learning, whether it's like generative adversarial networks or like convolution, what was it called? Convolution, oh yeah, just convolutional networks, I think. Um, but just do something every day. And then the goal from there becomes like in a month, I want to have some sort of demo of like one aspect of the end goal working. So for example, if I want to have, uh, okay, so, for me with animation and game development, terrains are a huge pain in the ass because you have to make this thing that looks realistic and is very detailed and still works with the level. Um, so if I want to make that be able to be generated based on machine learning algorithms, then first step would be, well, can I make a neural network read a map and tell what features are there, tell whether it's a mountain or a forest or a plane or whatever. And if I get that done in a month, I'll be happy because that's a big step towards the end goal. And it doesn't matter so much um, whether I'm like meeting marks every day as long as I'm still hitting those milestones. And in terms of work-life balance, because that sounds like a lot of stuff that you have going on and you're trying to like, you know, check it off as you go, which is great. I guess like what would what do you do in like your spare time? Do you have spare time? And I know like you mentioned you have a girlfriend, like how do you balance like your personal time with like all these other goals that you have and all these other things that you're doing? The short answer is very carefully. Okay. Um, now it's one thing that I've been kind of like working through lately is point or like realizing where I'm wasting time and resources. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you asked me a month ago, I would say, I don't have any spare time and my life is pain. Uh, because that was leading up to the Girl Boss Rally where we had the big launch of the product. So that was like crunch mode. Everything has to be working by this hard deadline. The app is launching, big stuff going on. That's rough. Because like you really can't get around that so much. Right. But then once things have settled down, it comes down to like getting back into routine and seeing, well, I get to work at 10 and I leave at 6. So we have like kind of flexible hours. Not like super flexible, but it's not like get there at nine or else yeah. it's like if i'm getting to work at 10 a.m and leaving at six that's an hour offset that if i woke up earlier because i'm not going to be working in the morning right right if i woke up earlier i would have an extra hour that i can use for doing research or whatever absolutely so then it comes down to building habits where you are like going to bed at a reasonable time so you can get up early so that you can go to work at the right time so you can get home at the right time so you have time to do spend just an hour a day doing whatever you meant to do and then, Recognizing the bigger chunks of those is the most useful thing for me. And then in terms of like spending time with your like loved ones or your family and like with yeah. friends, like do you have like any time to do that? Yeah. Um, the way it kind of gets prioritized is like obviously work is something you can't really get around because you got to pay rent somehow. Right. So those are like set hours. And then after that, you kind of see – you have a, an ideal plan. A friend of mine uh, introduced me to this, like, a really detailed way of tracking what you're doing with uh, Google Calendar, mm -hmm. where you create this timeline for every day of every week, where it's like you have one week and you duplicate it for each week. Um, and it's your ideal schedule. In a perfect world, what would you be doing at what time? And it has everything. It has when you eat meals. It has when you go to bed and when you get up. It has when you work. It has when you work out. It has when you're working on your own stuff. And then it has a little slice of time for reading a book or playing video games or watching a movie or whatever to decompress. And then what happens is if you follow that schedule as best you can, and if something comes up where it's like a friend is like, hey, you want to go out? Yeah, you can go out. And it's not a big deal because on every other day where there's consistent scheduling, you get more stuff done. Hmm. And you prioritize like your loved ones over working on machine learning or whatever. Right. But then on every other chill day when nothing's really going on, 
you're still getting on that same schedule and you're still being productive. I really like that. It's it's useful, but not too rigid as to be unrealistic. Right. Just a little background of like why I asked also is because so my boyfriend also he's um he's in programming he works for the Department of Education and nice. yeah and his the goal for him um that um New York City has set is that in 2025 they want every like elementary school and middle schools to be to have like computer science courses implemented. So, yeah, so he spends a lot of time, um, of course, because that's his job, like he does that, but also like working on his own stuff in terms of like programming when he's home and just always creating. And between that and myself also, like we got into this conversation where we we're just like, oh, I don't, I don't think we deserve going out with our friend today because we didn't do A, B, C and D. <laughs> So it's like this kind of feels bad, you know. Like, yeah, you're just like, wait, like, did I earn this? Like, I'm like, do I deserve that glass of margarita? I don't know. And it's it's always frustrating because like, without some sort of system that accommodates that, like, you're always at that weird point where you're like, well, I mean, I always have more stuff I'm trying to get done, and I didn't get everything done. So can I afford to do something that's actually fun? But I feel like consistency, on average, is more important than like day by day, making sure you're exactly on schedule. Right. Which also means, like, if your friend is like, hey, let's go out, then you can hang out with them. There's no, like, shame or guilt in it because you know that your calendar is holding you accountable and all the time when somebody else is not depending on you. Yeah. I really like that. I need to start doing um, the calendar thing because I think a hundred percent, I could say, like, I always feel a little guilty when I when I go out with my friends, because I'm like, wait, I could have been editing a podcast right now, or I could have been like, emailing, like doing my emailing list to get like a new guest or like learning about someone. So there's always, like, always, always, you could, you could kill yourself overdoing all of it. But it's still not gonna be done even then. So it's hard striking a balance with that. Mm. We'll figure it out, though. Yeah. It's a work in progress. <laughs> it's a work in progress for sure. Before you go, I guess like my last question would be, well, it's more like it's more of a thought. So I know like throughout the po podcast, like you mentioned that you were like teaching programming also to other people. And I wanted to know, like, is that something that you're still doing right now? Like, are you like still teaching other students like how to code? Not at the moment, no. Um, so I mentioned that it was at a co-working space called Hacker. I didn't say the name. It's a co-working space called Hacker Lab in Sacramento, um, and they have like boot camps on a lot of different subjects. They have, like class because it's a co-working space slash maker space. So they've got a bunch of you know desks out in the front and offices people can rent. Then they also have a bunch of equipment in the back, which is really cool. And they have like laser cutters and welding equipment and like woodshop equipment, oh, three wow. printers, all kinds of stuff. So they already had the infrastructure of having a bunch of classes going on regularly. Um, so I taught programming classes there. I taught uh, HTML and JavaScript, Node, PHP, WordPress, stuff like that. But then I moved to LA, mm -hmm. and that's where I am now. So, so I'm not currently teaching, but I'm like, I'm not opposed in the future. It's just I'm not at a place with the infrastructure for it. Gotcha. And have you thought about maybe doing like an online coding course, like where like maybe like starting a YouTube I, channel? I thought about that actually. I One thing that I want to try eventually once I actually get like a webcam set up um, is basically having like lessons on Twitch where like every Saturday we go, hey, we're gonna learn about this particular aspect of web development or game development or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and potentially also making a YouTube channel that has like lessons from that cut and edited and stuff like that. At the moment, I, it's something I want to do, but not something I'm immediately going to do right. is the short answer. Gotcha. And so the reason why I asked is because like when you were talking about your students and like teaching them, I feel like, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like it sounded like something that you also really enjoyed doing. And they really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, it, was, it was good on several levels. 
Um, first off, obviously, it made me get to just have a captive audience I could talk to indefinitely, which was always nice. Um, uh, second thing is, it was really interesting kind of seeing how people got excited about different aspects of it. Like when somebody figured out something that was like they couldn't get working, that like aha moment is great to see. Mm -hmm. When people have like a project they're really excited about, it's cool seeing them just be like absolutely thrilled when this thing they're building works. And I enjoy helping people learn stuff. Um, I don't know, it just it fit well with me. I think so. And I feel like, again, like you sound completely passionate about like everything that you're doing and like teaching. And when you do figure out like the webcam thing and you mm -hmm. decide to start that, like I'm going to be your number one subscriber. I'll like promote it and everything. But John, thank you so much for being part of my podcast and for chatting with me today. Yeah, of course and like hopefully in the future like we could do this again and connect again and um try to i'll try to see you the next time like actually yeah, see uh, you hopefully at that point i will actually have the webcam set up so we can actually have a video chat rather than just being like i'm talking to a blank screen with an avatar <laughs> sounds good no but it was definitely interesting and it's good practice and it probably <laughs> won't be my last one so I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you as well. Bye, John. Bye.